Monday, August 8th, 2022. This is Get Smart Politics and your political cheat sheet for this week. We are 13 weeks until the November midterm election and 27 months from the 2024 presidential election. I'm Sarah, your host, and I'm here with the author of Get Smart Politics, Eric Boll. We have three top stories for you this week, and it's mostly the results from the elections last week. And we really saw some things, um, some theories, some political theories being tested, and everyone um, in the political sphere was kind of biting their nails and watching the returns from last week. Um, One of the most um, exciting matches, I would say, kind of exciting in a bad way, um, was the Missouri primary. And we got to see that there is, turns out, there is a limit and people can go a little too far in the election. So tell me a little bit about the results there. Yeah, everybody was certainly waiting very much for this one nationally because Uh, Former governor of Missouri, Eric Greitens, who had resigned after less than a year and a half in office uh, after he won in 2016 amid a bunch of different scandals and some bad behavior in general, decided to try to mount a comeback in the Senate race. And rather than just trying to uh, be repentant and say that he uh, had seen, seen a better path, he decided to double down or triple down on everything he had done before and actually go a lot further in the way that he was approaching this election. He's the one that was pretty famously did this ad a couple of weeks ago where he was um, dressed up with like a SWAT team and broke down the door of a house with a bunch of guys with guns and said that they were going rhino hunting in the suburban home, um, allegedly trying to, you know, talk about it being a safari type thing. But he was just in, in a subdivision. Uh, where most uh, rhinoceroses don't live. So they were talking about uh, hunting down Republicans in name only. And uh, that one really drew a lot of backlash. And he also has had a lot of personal scandals that got some attention during the campaign. Yeah, it sort of coincided with a custody battle he is in the midst of with his ex-wife. And there's been some allegations of abuse. So definitely not the right time to come out and really, like you said, triple down on some violence, I would say. And he had some ads run pretty late that really brought this, um, like the depositions and the um, trial to light and let a lot of people in on the test the testimonies of his ex-wife and it was really bad yeah and that that testimony that was put into an ad really was very effective and i think that the rhino hunting thing was just a step too far too it caused a lot of backlash among those undecided voters that he was going to have to get on his side if he was going to try to win and ultimately he got not he didn't just lose he He got destroyed yeah yeah and he was uh in the lead of the polling up until what, a month, a month and a half ago? Yeah. He ended up losing 45 to 19, and he didn't even get second place. He got third place. Yeah, and he only won three counties in Missouri, which was, it was very interesting to see because he really went MAGA. You know, he really dialed up the MAGA, and Missouri voted very red, very Very Trump. Very strongly for Trump. Um, So it was really interesting for us to see that there is a line. It was crossed, and voters are responding to that. And another one of our top stories this week is also what happened in Kansas. Kansas um, with the abortion issue. So tell me a little bit more about that. Right. So just to the West, another huge story that got tons of national attention was the the fact that Kansas had a constitutional amendment on their ballot. And this oddly just happened to end up on the ballot right in the wake of the Dobbs, um, the Dobbs opinion being released that overturned Roe versus Wade. It was it's been in the works since 
early 2021, but somehow they just got lucky with it being immediately after this overturning. And um, everybody was looking to see what exactly is going to happen there because it's a very, very red state as well. It hasn't voted for a Democrat for president since Lyndon Johnson. So extremely Republican state. And the result was shocking, even to the pro-choice activists who were working for it. Um, the pro-choice side won 59 to 41. And I put a chart in um, this week's newsletter that I definitely encourage you to take a, a look at. It takes a little bit of, of looking at it to understand what it's showing. But it, once you see the point of it, it, it really is is stunning. Every single county in the entire state of Kansas voted um, more pro-choice than they voted for the presidential election. You know, it, it moved further left. Um, every single county moved further left from 2020 to 2022 on this issue, uh, showing a lot of people nationwide believe that the abortion issue is going to be a very big uh, positive electoral issue for the Democrats and turnout this November. So it's going to be really interesting to see what this means for the November election, because we've been talking about how everything, all signs were pointing to a red wave. Um, and, you know, it sounds like Trump is probably going to be declaring his candidacy in the next few months. Pretty we'll likely. See, yeah. yeah, pretty likely. And, and it, we're seeing that there is sort of a trend to move away from Trump a little bit. So we'll see if this plays out. I'm just interested to keep an eye on it. Yeah. And, you know, this the one thing I would say about the results in Kansas are, yes, it was amazing to see the turnout, especially um, more than double the turnout of some past years in primary elections, which is just stunning, Um, really did motivate people to get to the polls. However, abortion is not going to be on the ballot in very many states in November. So the the impact of this, I think, might be more limited than Democrats hope. They're going to be saying every day from here until November, abortion is on the ballot this year, you know, say meaning if you vote for our candidates, they'll vote the way that you want them to on that issue. But technically, you know, in reality, abortion measures will not actually be on the ballot in any states, except uh, there are four states that, that will have them. But none of those states are really, uh, you know, toss up states and don't have any really controversial Senate elections. So. As far as the amount of impact it'll have in November, I think it'll probably be a little more minimal than the Democratic activists are hoping for, but it still is a big, big um, change from what people had thought was going to happen. Very interesting. So the third story we have is uh, we had a big legislation push this week. Um, The reconciliation bill heads back to the House, right? Um, Yes. After passing through the Senate and... We've had some it- different iterations of this bill. So tell me what's in this latest package. Yeah, I was I was wondering if there was a place that kept track of all the different names this bill has had. You know, it used to be Build Back Better. Um, now they're calling it the Inflation Reduction Act. It's had a number of different names in between those two. But at the end of the day, that's what it passed under is the Inflation Reduction Act is the name. And it passed the Senate on Sunday afternoon by a 50-50 vote with Kamala Harris breaking that tie. And now the House is going to vote on it on Friday. It is a little over $300 billion after all the changes were made to it to get it through. Um, But it has a lot of um, various different policies, including some climate change, clean energy policies, um, tax changes, uh, extending the Obamacare mandate uh, uh, subsidies uh, for health insurance, uh, conservation funding, drought relief. And then it also increases taxes on a few different things, 
puts a 15% minimum tax on large corporations and a 1% excise tax on stock buybacks and also increases funding for the IRS to try to crack down on tax cheats. So when you put all that together, it comes out to a net, a, a net positive balance. Um, it brings in more money than it spends, in other words. So this is just a huge victory for the Democrats who thought this was dead in the water. Everyone thought it was dead in the water up until a couple of weeks ago when Joe Manchin and Chuck Schumer pulled this one uh, out, out at the very last second. Yeah, literally out of nowhere yeah, out of totally. thin air of and I, props to you and other journalists that have really understood what's in this bill because i read somewhere it's two thousand pages long oh. it's hard to parse out what is in this and it's changed about a million yes. times yes. not only over the course of the past year and a half as they've been negotiating it but even the, in the past week when they've been trying to get it through the reconciliation rules which are pretty strict and archaic um you know the the parliamentarian in the senate has been throwing some things out, letting some things in. And so keeping on top of what actually ended up in the bill has been a little bit challenging. Yeah, and uh, this is another victory for the Biden administration. And he's been kind of on a roll lately. Unfortunately, he's had COVID. Right. But so that's a bad thing for him. But he's had some victories. So we're just kind of building momentum here for the Biden administration. Exactly. That's the real point of this is the wind is starting to blow back a little bit in the other direction. I think we're still... A very, very long way from there being a blue wave in November. But I think that that red tsunami we've been talking about is getting a lot more muted. Uh, David Axelrod, the uh, former chief strategist for President Obama, talked about that this week and said he feels like it took it from being a Category 5 hurricane about to come on shore against the Democrats in November to maybe being a Category 3. So still a pretty bad hurricane, bad storm. But it looks like it's not going to be as catastrophic right now. Now, keep in mind, we still have, uh, what, three months until the election? A lot can change again. Yeah, and these are heavy campaign months where, I mean, new stuff comes out every day to try to sway these elections. A sad note this week, we lost uh, Representative Jackie Walorski, a congresswoman from Indiana, in a tragic car accident. Yeah, unfortunately, she and two of her staffers who were driving to an event in their district uh, we're in a head-on collision, and all three of them died uh, on the scene, and um, just a horrible situation. It's uh, no, nothing other to, other than that to say, other than it was just a tragic accident. And she was a very, very nice lady. I met her many times when I was working on the Hill, and um, there is sometimes you have to remember that uh, anything can happen to anyone at any time, and it's horrible that that's what happened there. That that seat will now be open until. Indiana is able to fill it with a special election to replace her. Okay. Well, our thoughts and prayers are definitely with their families. That affects a lot of people, and it's really sad to hear that. Yeah, awful situation. We've got some primaries coming up this week, four states. What's going on in Connecticut? Yeah, these primaries this week are not nearly as exciting and aren't going to have as much attention as last week's did. Uh, So, yeah, Connecticut, it's a blue state. Everybody knows that Richard Blumenthal's ranked for re-election in the Senate. He's going to win, no problem. And then in the House, the only thing that is a little interesting here is um, Connecticut, in redrawing their maps, they've made two districts that are actually shockingly close to toss-ups. You know, they're they're D plus two districts. Um, the incumbents are running in both of those districts, and 
Uh, Joe Courtney is one of them. He's a long-term member who has a good reputation. And then Jonna Hayes is also running a newer member, but uh, both are, uh, I'm sorry, D plus two districts that are held by Democrats. So if that, that big wave does come along, they could be in trouble, but uh, I'd still be pretty shocked to see two Republicans coming out of Connecticut in November. Okay. What about Minnesota? Yeah, we've got one where Jim Hagedorn, who was a member there, uh, passed away in February. So they're going to be actually filling his seat with a special election tomorrow. And um, it's a R plus seven district. So we would expect the Republican will very likely win there. The other one to really pay attention to, the the one that will probably get some national attention, is the fifth district, which is um, Ilan Omar, a member of the squad who has been very, very controversial over her first couple of terms. She's up for re-election. She's drawn some stiff challengers and a lot of national money into her race. I would still be surprised if she loses, but there is going to be a lot of attention on that race. Okay. Anything on Vermont or Wisconsin? Those are the other two states in our primaries this week. Yeah, Vermont's kind of like uh, Connecticut, where it's, well, Vermont's about the most deep blue state there is in the nation. So not a lot of uh, multi-party challenges here. But Patrick Leahy is retiring. He's the He's been in for eight terms, and he's not going to run again for Senate. And the one at-large member uh, of the delegation um, in the in the House is Peter Welch. He's been there in the House for eight terms. He's running to replace Leahy and is essentially unopposed. So he's going to be the next senator there. Um, and then to replace him, since he's not running for re-election in the House, um, there is really just one candidate that's making any waves at all, and that's the current state Senate president pro tem, whose name is Becca Ballent, who is also a Democrat, and she's going to win in November as well. So not a lot of excitement in, in, in Vermont. Okay. Wisconsin? Yes, yes. So Wisconsin, Senator Ron Johnson is running for a third term. That one does bring a lot of eyes. Uh, he has been pretty controversial and outspoken over the past couple of years. I feel like he, he's always been um, kind of a maverick, but he's kind of lost his filter over the past few years and now just says whatever is on his mind. And that's uh, made a lot of people want to take him out um, in November. So the Democrats have consolidated behind the current lieutenant governor, Mandela Barnes, and um, it's definitely going to end up being a head-to-head between those two and will be a, a very expensive and very tight race, I think, in November. But tomorrow, I don't think that we'll see any surprises there. And then over in the House in Wisconsin, um, there is one district where uh, Ron Kind, who's a Democrat, he's retiring in the third district. It's a Republican-leaning district, R plus four. And so that's looking like a very strong pickup opportunity for Republicans. And the uh, the Republican uh, primary electorate has already consolidated there, too, behind a former Navy SEAL named Derek Van Orden. So um, very good chance that if he wins uh, tomorrow, he'll end up being the congressman from that district. Well, if you live in those four states, don't forget to head to the polls. And we'll see you next week with some of those results.